0: Alright, we're back with uh, episode 42 after a period of ill health. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we're late this week, but we're still, we're still getting one done. Saltburn. Mm. And um, <laughs> Molly May's film of the year. Yeah, I hate to agree with Molly May, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, reckon, film of the year, maybe? Cand- candidate. Can candidate, for sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we've got, I guess, quite a small cast, Really. Um, yeah, very small cast. Uh, Barry Keegan. There's like five of them, right? Um, yeah, yeah, five or six that are like credited. Um, and uh, this was a weird one. It was confusing. Was it? I, I, I thought, you know, it was a confusing movie. There was lots of twists and turns. Like It, it wasn't what I expected. It was better than I expected. What did like, you expect? Um, some kind of like weird, like graphic horror... Comedy situation. I mean, it kind of is was. That, that is that not exactly but, what it was? But, but it was like you know, I, I thought there was going to be like some weird gore around it, like that would I, I would find artistic but inappropriate. But it's it's. I would say that was there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like this this was definitely like a a, a pleasant surprise for me. Uh, and um, yeah, it's one it's one of those films that you actually remember. Like we were talking about Napoleon last night when we came out of the film but like, we just completely forgot about I that I've forgotten yeah. um, you know uh, Dream Scenario I'll probably remember that but like you know films have just gone yeah, it you know, Killers of the Flower Moon I forgot Dream Scenario as you just mentioned um, that, but yeah Killers of the Flower Moon is gone whereas where this <laughs> the, 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 this is definitely something that's going to stick in the memory and, and, and that's a great success
1: yeah I've thought about it loads since I mean I know it's only we only watched it last night but yeah I mean I thought about it this morning when I woke up you know <laughs> it stayed on my mind I loved it I really enjoyed this movie um, consistently entertained and I think it's such a testament to why directors really should be making movies shorter yeah well like so if it's... you can achieve this in two hours what on earth are you out here making a three and a half hour three and movie and a
0: half for that yeah.
1: does nothing
0: yeah put earlier. this
1: next to Killers of Flower Moon man. Like, I'm just getting more and more angry at Scorsese yeah Every time you're like, come
0: on, what was that mess? know? Okay, so this is um this is about an Oxford uh student, first year kind of, you know, coming down from Prest Preston. Prescott. Prescott, which is the middle of nowhere near near uh Liverpool, Merseyside. Um and uh, you know, finding his feet well, as you think, you know, finding his feet in, in, in that environment, in the Oxford environment, uh, you know, mm. m- made friends with a very rich, um, just a very rich boy, very rich student, and um, old money, yeah, rich family, that's it.
1: influential family, kid who's probably backdoored into Oxford,
0: Felix Catten, and 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 throughout, well, for a long part of the movie, you, you think that. Oliver Quick uh, played by Barry is is a victim here you know the one you used to feel sorry for Uh, and and Felix is just playing around with him and the film does does really well at convincing you that that's how the story that's what the story is that Oliver's just one of these toys
1: the thing is what it does so well I
0: think is that
1: that story is enough on its own yeah exactly that you're completely absorbed in it so I actually watched the trailer for this, right. as you know, because obviously sometimes we get to a movie early and we, you have to sit through the trailers. The rare occasion we get to the movie early. <laughs> yeah, it very rarely happens. But, um, you know, like you're then forced to watch trailers and I try not to because I always enjoy a movie more if I don't know or if I haven't seen a trailer. But the trailer for Saltburn was perfect because it didn't give anything away and it just sort of gives you the setting doesn't it like early 2000s oxford a posh country estate eccentric superficial characters dark undertones like it's all very promising yeah. without it giving anything away about like the story or what's going to happen like you know you just see Barry Keegan and and that environment and you're like okay I'm sold I'll watch this this looks good um, and you still don't know what the movie's going to be about at the beginning you don't really for the majority of the movie you don't really you know you're sort of waiting for a twist yeah, you're yeah. waiting for a reveal you know there's something going on I, I
0: I think the cinematography had a lot to do with that I, I think the first scene where um, Oliver Quick is pulling his case towards campus and like there's this God Save the King" music and like he's looking round and the camera's the camera's just following behind him and it like and it, it made me feel like the camera was following behind him in like a almost a nervous Mm. way. Like, it was, you know, it was almost like the camera wasn't quite sure what was going on. Um, You know, it was having to pass through people's conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, from the... I think almost from the very first scene, like, I I was gripped by that because I was like, I'm confused. The character, to us, should be confused in this situation because it's new surroundings and it's unfamiliar. And that's how it all felt. Mm. to me and, and I think th- completely throughout the film the cinematography kind of led I mean it was that. stunning wasn't it like, yeah it, was, it was, was amazing absolutely incredible I mean, um, it was in... we can give a shout out to Lida Sangren who was the cinematographer on this film mm.
1: shot in 1.33 to 1 isn't it to square land which is really cool because, sorry I'm eating a croissant <laughs> we don't usually record in the morning um, which is really cool because I mean it gives the impression that you're sort of peeping in yeah, that's what I've heard. That um, Emerald Fennel, the uh, the director, was looking for that effect of peeping in, mm. that effect of the outsider looking in on the story, in the same way that that um, Oliver Quick is looking in on that rich, on that lifestyle. Yeah, and also
0: sometimes literally looking in through the window from the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so early on as well, I actually read, well again attention to detail throughout. Um, the Christmas party, uh, at the halls, and you yeah. had the Cheeky Girls Christmas song, yeah. Um, I, I, I just bought into this, I, I really, really bought into this because it, it was very clear that, like, yeah, the culture of you know, that you know, all those posh kids like dancing and singing along to such a ridiculous song, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean, I actually caught them out though, I actually did catch this movie out. Um, the karaoke scene in Saltburn, um. Low by Flow Rider wasn't out yet. Really, 2000s. <laughs> it came out in November 2007. I think this movie's set in 2007. It's set in 2006. Nah. Set set 2006, going into the summer of 2007. Yeah. So the summer of 2007. When did the book come out? When did the sorry? When did the, the song came out in November? Ninth of November 2007. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe you've got. <laughs> and I was just like, because I, I listened to that, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, that wasn't out yet. Really? it was close it was really close but uh, there's so one a, little slip uh, up there a detail
1: I loved was that they were all reading The Deathly Hallows the last Harry Potter book
0: oh okay so did you notice that? yeah well I, I noticed that everyone was reading Harry Potter but I didn't, I, I didn't quite know which one. it
1: was the same book it was almost like they were passing the book around ah, like you know yeah. like, Um, Venetia would be reading it in the meadow in one field and in the next scene um Felix would be like, you know, by the pool reading it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, that book came out July two thousand seven, so of uh, course everyone would have been reading it. Like know, that's that. Cr- yeah, that is. Yeah. That is that's of course, there's the conversations like around Harry Potter in the uh, in the script as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, and the music, of course, is used to great effect. Like all of the the early 2000s pop yeah. as a temporal marker, and I mean, murder on the dance floor at the end was a little bit on the nose, but I
0: feel like they styled it out with the nude choreography. It actually was quite cool. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the nude choreography, so so I actually was, um, I thought to myself, I don't think people will be happy with that. Oh come that on! That scene. Um, well, I, we we have spoke about nudity in cinema, though. Spoke about and sex scenes. Oh, and there's a difference. Yeah. Okay, um, but so speaking of that scene, um, Sawburn so did make people walk out of this movie. Really. Uh uh-huh. And I, I in, in America, I'm, I, I assume. I'm <laughs> going to give you a chance to win a bit of pride yeah. and. Work out which was the scene that made people walk out the most. I'm
1: gonna assume it was the big volta in the middle, the period scene. It wasn't.
0: It wasn't. That, was it that wasn't even grave? one of the, that wasn't. <laughs> the grave was one of the three discussed, but the period scene wasn't actually discussed at all. <laughs> really, that yeah, for yeah. me was the wildest for yeah, quite yeah. a long so, way. so, the bathtub scene. With the... Uh, oh, uh, with the plug. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was pretty great. So, so that <laughs> um, and the, a couple of comments. You know, one of the com- one comment uh, on social media was, uh, you know, art succeeded when uh, people are rage quitting on the, on a scene. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just walking out there. There's some truth in that. There was a, there was another comment, it was like three people have walked out of the movie after that scene. So what I don't know if, I don't know if those people would have walked out after later scenes like the graveyard the graveyard scene to me, I was like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty rough. And then obviously the, the dancing scene. I mean the dancing scene at the end I was Fine, but it yeah, was, uh, I was it up, just yeah. like, "Oh, <laughs> this is uh, this is interesting." Well, that was the that was the
1: finale, wasn't it? That was him fully realized as the psychopath. Yeah, is, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it actually made complete sense, um, mm. and it actually something else that made sense at the very end. Um, I was wondering why it looked like he was a, he. He was Barry was going for Die Hard Five. What? Like he looked absolutely ripped throughout <laughs> the whole movie. And I was yeah. like, hang on, this is just like a scouse kid coming to Oxford to, to do a year. But then obviously at the end when he's kind of revealed as a psychopath, you'd maybe understand a little bit more.
1: Well, yeah, easy. maybe.
0: But the whole thing the whole way through the the chain and the vest, I was like, why is this guy so hedge? <laughs> I don't know. Die hard, <laughs> I die, really. die hard 5 incoming.
1: That didn't stick out to me too much. but um,
0: I, I just had a little giggle every time I saw his pecs. <laughs> <laughs> this is right. a 19-year-old student here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Fair enough. I mean, Barry Keegan was the perfect pick for this role, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, he does quiet confidence so well. Yeah. He does like, you know, oh, he's the awkward kind of loner kid at Oxford, but like, you know there's something more to him. Yeah. You know there is the whole way through the movie before you really know what it is. You know there's something there. Like, yeah, there's yeah. this silent self-assurity. Yeah. Perfect for the role. <laughs> you know who else was amazing? Rosamund Pike.
0: Oh, she was... Yeah.
1: This was this is one of my favourite Rosamund Pike roles ever. Um, Elsbeth Catton. Was it
0: Elsbeth? Yeah, it was Elsbeth.
1: Elsbeth. Absolutely stunning. Like, what a, what a sick character. Like, yeah. so superficial and eccentric and just absolutely detestable it's delightful. It was just delightful incredible yeah. and perfectly complimented by um, is it Sir James Cat and Her Husbands yeah Richard E. Grant like also a phenomenal phenomenal character yeah and like not overused he's, he's sort of absent the whole movie he yeah, doesn't really yeah. do anything he's present but like he's got, not really got any lines he's sort of just the dad that hangs around in the background little bit ditzy little bit you know eccentric and then towards the end, when you see him as like the powerhouse, the, you know, the head of the family, like taking charge when he's sh- uh, screaming at Farley at the dinner table after Felix's death. Yeah. He steps in, I mean, you, you suddenly understand the whole family dynamic. You, oh, it's brilliant. He he was such a good character and not overused at all. And so well acted.
0: Oh, I think I, I, I think, uh, I, I mean, the whole movie was just so well acted. He did. Barry Keegan didn't maintain the scouse accent though. I don't think. That's it. That's. Uh, that's. I think p- it was all right. It was all right. It was only supposed to be a low light it, scouse so, accent So obviously, like this film was so good, I'm picking out tiny, tiny things. Yeah. But I was like, he's definitely not maintaining his. it's slipping back into his Irish accent. But I mean, I couldn't do a scouse accent for a two-hour movie, so <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't expect him to necessarily. Um, well, I quite like the idea, though. You know, maybe I'm <coughs> reaching
1: for a defence here. Yeah. But I quite like the idea that he actually wasn't scouts.
0: Ah. Uh, because you know
1: when um, you know when they were from Yorkshire, weren't they? They sounded like they were from Yorkshire. His yeah, parents, but his parents were okay and fine. He's obviously grown up in Prescott, but like his immediate parents, like they don't they don't have a strong uh, scout accent. Yeah. So maybe he's putting it on. Yeah. At uni, to fall into the role of like you know impoverished working class background kids scholarship boy, like more by you know accentuating his accent, yeah. and he's and he's slipping because it's not his natural voice. Yeah,
0: yeah, was yeah. I
1: mean I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into that, or maybe there were scenes towards the end when he dropped it a bit more.
0: I I, I think you could, uh, j- just because of the way this this movie was kind of presented in terms of like, the whole thing was just. The whole thing was a ruse. Like yeah, you, you yeah, could yeah. you could create any any kind of narrative you want after this, which is yeah. which you know you can use your imagination, which is great. Um, so obviously, like at, you know, halfway, well, at some point through the film, you realize that uh, Oliver Quick isn't necessarily the victim in this film. Mm. Um, and for me, it was uh, uh, it it was when. They met the family. But I think I think there was hints of it a little it's bit It's the early. period
1: scene. The period right, okay. scene is the big shift. He cut, for me, or anyway, and I think it was supposed to be. Like, that's the big vaulter where Oliver Quick goes from timid guest at the house to, like, oh, no, nah, he's playing a role here. He's making moves. Yeah, yeah. Because he comes down the stairs, Venetia's outside in the nightdress, and the way he speaks to her, he's like, you're outside my window in a nightdress. Like, it's suddenly... Supremely confident, yeah. It's manipulative, yeah. And then obviously, the power dynamic, the power play in that scene it's horrible. <laughs> it was like it's a pretty rough scene to watch, yeah, yeah. And of course, at that point, you're like, oh, and then obviously, the battle with Farley starts, yeah. And he's, and Farley is, of course, the other outsider, yeah, to the yeah. family, like he's the other one that's sort of like the hanger on, um, and the battle between the two people, the two parasites, if you like, to the rich family begins. Like the two of them are trying to expose get rid one of another the, yeah, and okay. get rid of the, yeah, get rid of the other. And that's brilliant. Like and that in that, itself yeah. is exciting.
0: And parasite is, is, is the word here because, uh, that, you know, that's definitely the, the film that came to mind for me when, yeah. you know, du- you know, during that midway stage where I was like, okay, this is definitely, this is flipped, you know, yeah. this is flipped. This is, this is not a, poor old guy that's in need of a friend um, this is someone that's you know I, and I loved the the kind of Venetia's uh, kind of likeness to him, him being a moth you know eating them from oh, the inside yeah, out yeah. Uh, that was you know that sinister level of the, the sinister undertone that went throughout the film kind of was revealed in Towards the end, like those yeah, moments, yeah, every yeah. every act that you look back on that you that you did, and actually they showed you some of those acts uh, where not everything was as as it seemed. Yeah, he punches
1: Felix's tire and. Or like, like kind of like he's been he's been manipulating. He, them he had plenty and of money didn't. in his wallet. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. that
0: kind of thing. He, he he was you know he was almost like a, it was that bait of oh I'm a scared little lamb. Yeah, come, yeah, come yeah, yeah, save yeah, yeah. me He's um, been manipulating him from the start. Did, did they need that? Did, did we need to see all that? I think we needed to see some of it. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because you know because you know like uh you you hate the um. Uh, was it the ex? Is it exposition? No. The yeah, exposition, yeah. yeah. Like, what were you talking about? Where the film tells you, like, the film just gives you. Yeah, but exposition through dialogue.
1: And that wasn't. That was. I mean, I think exposition, you know, when it's. When you have a, uh, a plot device exposed through the visual after the fact, like retrospectively, right. that's sometimes called a rubber ducky incident, which I think we talked about ages ago. Okay. But that's it's different Oh really yeah I don't really think that's a formal expression either but like that's different that is also kind of a weak you know like uh, so it's it's a plot it's a a convenience explained afterwards yeah that's what it is yeah it yeah. doesn't really work um, this did though this I mean you know it anyway yeah yeah and there's a line of dialogue a line of Barry Keegan's where he says like you know you don't need it explained you don't need to be told and he's not talking to what well he is talking to us of course because he's narrating at that point but um, it's about Felix's death yeah. He wakes up and that's brilliant. So like real quick tangent. Yeah. But the deaths. Talking about cinematography, the way that all of the twists were revealed was absolutely stunning. Like, uh Oliver wakes up, everyone's shouting Felix, you already know.
0: Yeah.
1: You know straight away as an audience member Felix is dead. Yeah. And then you've got the dialogue, uh Oliver saying you don't need to be told and everyone frantically searching, you've just got one shot of um Venetia and Farley in the water and you know what they're looking for. Yeah. And then you've got um Elsbeth moving really slowly through the maze, you know what she's gonna find in the centre. Yeah. And then the reveal isn't from her perspective, it's a bird's eye view shot over the maze, retracting. Yeah. And you've got the body in the middle and then everyone making their way to the scene through the maze. Yeah. I mean that is gorgeous. Yeah. That is gorgeous. And to like further that Venetia's death. You've got the long monologue scene where she's in the bathtub talking about Oliver's a moth, right? And then you have three shots. You've literally got the, like, body in the bathtub, yeah. you know, her in the bathtub, the water's red. Yeah. The family and Oliver stood on the bridge under umbrellas yeah. in the rain yeah. and...
0: Which previously it was just the family. Ju- well, yeah, it was, the yeah it was was just the of them previously. it was Venetia famous. in
1: Oliver's place. Um, so, of course, you've got the shot of her in the bathtub, red water. You've got the shot of the family on the bridge and under the umbrellas in the rain. And then you've got a shot of um, a stone with side. her note, name carved on it at the bottom of the water. That's it. Three shots, three seconds or, well, you know, maybe six seconds. Yeah, She's dead. Yeah. It's so powerful. Take note, fucking Scorsese. Like, you'd have done 45 minutes on that. You can do it in three shots. Three and it's shots. so powerful. You like, economy is good storytelling. Yeah. For God's sake. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, and also, what I liked was that the movie gave us—I think one another—like sort of red herring, a mislead, uh, a mislead in the plot was that you do get Oliver's narration. So really early on, you get this weird scene where he's being like interviewed.
0: Well. And, and this is actually this is the point I was wanting to come on to you thought he was in counselling the whole film
1: yeah well you don't know what you think he's in
0: well, or some, or some yeah. form of you know he's, he's he's reflecting he's reflecting on on, on the story and, and you see that you know you, you think of the crowded room you think of the crowded room yeah you, you think of all these things where like that type of narration is usually and, and I feel like this film was was, was giving you things that, that are done in, overdone in other films and going yeah but we didn't actually do that but I would say The Crowded Room did it well as well no no but so what I mean it's it's just that overused you know counselling narration thing that is in other stuff yeah and this film you know in in my head it was like oh that's what that is and then this film's like no it's something completely different And, and I feel like there were that's not the point of what they were doing here but dotted throughout this film I just felt there was so much refreshing you know everything was so refreshing in this movie
1: fair I think that scene the genius in that scene is that it, it does exactly the same thing that, that um, the crowded room does it's not a refreshing take on it it's the same technique exactly where it gives you a narrator telling the story retrospectively in an ambiguous setting yeah so just as the crowded room did with Danny you assume he's in a police station yeah this one you do this is the same so when, when you got Danny in the crowded room you don't think he's in counselling you think he's in a police station yeah that's the same with this one with this one, it's like with with um, Oliver and Saltburn. You like maybe he's in counselling, maybe he's in. But it doesn't. He's you know he's, he's dressed formally. You think maybe he could even be in a courtroom. Yeah. You don't understand the setting. You don't know what position he's telling you the story yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know how it's ended. But you assume it's ended badly. And you see the confidence in him. You see the change in his character at that point. Yeah. And you know something's happened. Yeah. And you yeah. know, like deep down, you know, you know that he's a vi- he's a villain. Yeah. He's yeah. done something. He's lying to you. Um, and obviously, it starts with him saying, "Did I love Felix?" You know, i trying to like, and you don't, know, you don't know the answer. Still, even now, like as an audience, you have no idea. Was that love? Was that an infatuation? Was yeah. it all? Was, how? At what point did Barry Kiergan or what point did Oliver Quick rather, <laughs> start targeting the Cattons Yeah. Was it when he met Felix, or did he go to Oxford for them? Did he know they were there? Did he? Do you know what I mean? Like, like at what point you don't know? So you don't know that relationship, and that relationship is told to you from an ambiguous setting. Like you don't know whether it's a police station or counselling or what. And in the end, it's none of them. Mm. It's him talking to. It's him talking to Elspeth. Presumably Elspeth, yeah, or like the I don't know somebody like the executors of the will of of Elspeth or something, explaining, I don't know, telling a story. So the whole of Saltburn, yeah.
0: Well, well. I think towards the end it actually panned out, and he was in he was in the room with Elspeth. Is it right? Yeah. Okay. And then he killed kills Sarah as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and it's just, I think, when even even when there was like because they didn't really reveal who what happened to Felix. Yeah, they do until after at least Venetia's dead. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then when Venetia died, I was like, oh, that's very suspicious. Yeah. Did he, but did, I love did, he kill, did he kill Felix That as well? You know, still a there's still the small
1: a, chance. Because you're pretty sure at that point that he's killed Felix. Yeah. And when that happens, you're like, okay, he's killed them both. Yeah. But there's still that tiny thought where it's like, actually, maybe she did commit suicide and maybe yeah. Felix did accidentally yeah. overdose. Yeah. Like you're not sure. It's oh, it's, it's so perfectly subtle Yeah, yeah. they killed it. slight loose end though. Did he kill Pamela?
0: I don't see how. No, I don't see how because he doesn't leave saltbird does he? Um, I, but I think that was—I I think Pamela's input there was was to deceive you. Still, yeah. th- you know the fact that she died mysteriously. It—I think that played more into the fact that that family is going to make him disappear, because because that I th- mm. I still think that was the story being told at the time, where he was he That's was the, he was the yeah. innocent victim that. They were going to look after her for a summer and then ask him to leave, and he wasn't actually going to make it home. That's that's the story that was in my head with Pamela. The fact that like they they brought her in, she overstayed a welcome, and it was like their sick thrill to like basically make her disappear afterwards. Yeah, and, and the story that I thought that's what that's the story I thought we were getting. Oliver yeah. was going to have that Be lovely, wonderful Pamela. summer, overstays welcome, and then they like almost in a cultish, like, manner, like, yeah. get rid of him and yeah. disemember dis- him and stuff, and stuff <laughs> like that. But, but obviously, that's just not what I, that, You know, so I feel like that's where, that's poor old Pamela, as she's credited. It's <laughs> brilliant, that. <laughs> um, I, I think that that she was actually, I mean, she did have red hair as well. I think she was the literal, physical red herring. I don't know. I,
1: I think what was beautiful about her death scene was that, um not that she has a death scene, but, you know, the reveal of her death. I think that's the... I think the purpose of that scene is to reveal to Oliver's character how how tuned out this this these people are to death. Yeah. Like so, you know, um, Elizabeth's lounging around in the sun, going, "Oh, it's bliss." You know, it hasn't. and They're talking about how it hasn't been this hot for years, even hotter than last year. It's all this like, and then she just goes, "Oh, I wish we didn't have to go to London." And um, Oliver says, "You going to London?" She says, "Yeah, Pamela's funeral." And he's like, wait, Pamela died? And Felix is like, yeah, sad that, you know. And it's like this major news they just haven't bothered sharing or talking about. Yeah. And at that point, he's like, oh, like they would respond the same if one of them died. Like they're so yeah. like switched off to the concept of death or like so emotionally removed. So British stipper, stiff upper lip, which yeah. is of course supported so much later when Felix actually does die. Yeah, I mean, that scene, is, like, I just, oh man, honestly, like, the last act of this movie was just so perfectly yeah. executed. Like, after that, that um, bird's-eye view shot in the maze of Felix's body, you've got them all finding the body, and the... and the camera's looking over Felix's body, and you've got Venetia and um, Farley crying, yeah. Yeah. Re- act, reacting emotionally. Ellsworth, who screams but then just turned her back and is looking away, composing herself. And then you've got uh, Richard E. Grant's character, so James, mm-hmm. like, d- denial. Yeah, He's, like, shaking the body, going, like, where's your jumper? Like, you know, like as if he's... And he says, help me move him. And then suddenly, Elsbeth, like, snaps into action, turns around composed and goes, yeah, no, we can't move him. We'll have to leave him, dear. It's nearly lunch. The completely emotional re- yeah. reaction. To, like, it's... Imagine discovering your son has died and being like well we'll have to leave him here it's nearly lunch like the complete cold emotionless like and then obviously they're then sitting around the dinner dimit- like the, yeah. the table the eating lunch behind it. like refusing to acknowledge any emotion yeah and know, s- the
0: butler's coming back and forth yeah, yeah. police can't get through the maze yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like they're dealing with it and you know he says oh well we're gonna to have to carry the body past the window, and then like, so we'll close the blinds. Like they're just pretending it's not happened. The total denial, the British lack of emotion in that was just incredible. And then you got finally like breaking, and Oliver the psychopath realizing what they need in that moment is to like be emotionless and like just like reinforcing their act of like everything's fine, everything's normal, talking about the food.
0: Like stunning. Yeah. Oh, so good. The the characterization in that. Oh my god. Yeah. Sick. So, before we close up, I mean, you know, this was so good, we, we don't really have... I feel like when things aren't that good, you can go back and forth with, you know, good points and bad points, but I think because we were so big fans of this, it's, you know, it's quite difficult. So, um, we'll go back to user reviews and ratings, because uh, we've got an uh, utterly unwatchable uh, oh, for <laughs> real! comment here. Go on. Um, for me, this movie redefines the word unwatchable. Um, it's... It's about two uni students who come from different worlds one who is rich, popular and charming and the other is poor, shy and awkward they become friends The fact that they come become friends is the most believable part of the story What happens afterwards is poorly executed rip-off of other movies ridiculous in scope and devoid of reality It will leave audience feeling, audiences feeling underwhelmed and disappointed both in the movie and themselves for having, them wa- for having wasted their time and money on this film Um, I saw a sneak preview and it was supposed to be the most buzzed movie of the year Um, buzz doesn't mean good and it will be remembered as one of the worst movies of 2023 Uh, yeah unfortunately that's
1: not true it won't be it's already been rated pretty highly isn't it Um, I don't know I feel like the, the themes explored it doesn't have to be realistic necessarily and I think it is I thought, I think like setting it in the early two thousands was a good move because it takes any of the sort of, I don't know, I don't want to use the word glamour, but like <sighs> these characters are detestable.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like uh, Ellsworth and Sir James and their lifestyle it is outdated. It's, it's out of touch. It's it's Gasp- Gatsby esque this movie, yeah. which is what I loved about it. And there's like a lot of that in the in the imagery, um, and in the sort of the over the top glamour wealth hedonism of it all these yeah. extent, these, these crazy parties that they throw it's Gatsby it's people on the outside of the dream having a dream looking in people exposing each other as poor and exposing their true backgrounds and exposing their true natures it's, it's Gatsby like the themes explored okay they've been explored before but like the concept of setting it in a modern setting taking the glamour out of it make, making it real and horrific but also at the same time making you sympathise with those characters like Felix mm. Felix is genius he's such a nice kid like actually Felix does nothing wrong this yeah. whole movie like and he's he's a victim he's actually the victim you yeah. know like I mean he's a bit of a, I don't know well
0: the thing is he he, he has his moments where he, he you know Shows the fact that he is from that background. Yeah, know, that, well, he is of course from that background. It, but, yeah. but it but it can't be helped.
1: He's a nice guy. Like like, but he's well, decent. You know, he's a. But that's exactly you know the fact that we're sitting here and saying that, but like we're talking about like, like we're trying to defend him. Yeah. Like the writers the director, they made us sympathise with these characters that are detestable in this world that we're not part of. Yeah. And Barry, of course, hates them. I keep saying Barry. Like it's Oliver, isn't it? Oliver hates them. And he says at the end when he when he kills Elizabeth, like I hated them. I hated you all it's like yeah like, you know, they're hateable people yeah. they're detestable people but this movie's made you sympathise with them yeah that's
0: how on earth is that underwhelming yeah well there you go um, <clears throat> positive comment great film but shocking well made Barry does it again it's unsettling at times but it's made well enough that you're able to appreciate it as an art form mm. cinematography soundtrack editing script it's all top notch no complaints at all Barry is very believable and you're never forced to suspend your disbelief when you watch his films. You know you have to get yourself into something unexpected and bizarre, something that takes you out of your comfort zone and sort of into a hypnotic twilight zone. You don't like the character, but you don't don't hate him either. Um, And it sends chills up your spine to imagine people like this still exist or exist. Um, Does he mean people like Oliver? <laughs> yeah, I think. Jesus, um, chills up my spine that uh, people like the catons exist. Um, Barry uh, Keegan. So he seems to be on a win streak here in terms of what he. Boy, he's sick, isn't it? He? Like he's unreal. Um, he he is in that Blue Lights film though, <laughs> a Blue Lights TV series that you only watched one episode of. It was a BBC oh, was- one. Right. <laughs> so he still has his moments but um, he yeah, seems that to that doesn't make him bad you is, know, like, you know bad shoes, uh Banshees Dunkirk like he, he seems to be hitting it out of the park top and boy this year top boy top boy I think, in I this about that well I mean that's what a, um, what a shift in roles I think that I mean he, he's how, how old is he? I don't think I want to know he's probably younger than us it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of them where it's like this guy's gonna uh, all red have you if he stopped now He's already had a career to yeah, be yeah, very he's made proud of. Back, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he's thirty-one. Okay. That's still scary.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And he's he has done in, I mean, top boy in this this year. Like wow.
0: The annual uh, Green Prince Awards will be coming up. Is Barry Keegan and uh, getting him um, any categories? Handy one leg
1: like, is not the first one ever.
0: Ollie, Oliver Quick, Villain of the Year card, it?
1: nah although I think Elsbeth might be getting a nom for a character of the year.
0: interesting okay that's that's good up tonight. against uh, Jean Milburn <laughs> so, uh, so it's a bit Mindy's still taking it for you as a uh, villain of the year you think so far who? she's called Bidley, isn't she?
1: Uh, Misty, Misty Misty Quigley Misty, Misty Quigley Misty Mmm um, well listen we'll see we'll we'll like, you're yeah. half of this as well <laughs> why are we talking <laughs> about my thing it's like you're trying to suss me out